Thanks, guys. You can take up the offering. That would be great. Um, yeah, so Karen talked about it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas. Is that right? It's Christmas trees here, sort of. They're not really Christmas trees, I suppose. They're just pine trees, really. And we've got our little manger there, waiting for baby Jesus to come. It's funny how, like, even before Christmas, we look at that and we go, where's Jesus? But really, like, the whole celebration was on Christmas Day, Jesus was born. And um, I'm presuming there's a baby coming (laughs) on Christmas Day. (laughs) Jesus will be there. And, of course, we also understand that it's most likely not the real time of year that that, uh, Jesus was born. But we're hijacking whatever people have put into place, and we're hijacking it for Jesus. We're saying, you know what the Christmas season is? A time to remember Christ and what he's done for us. And so let's use it for our advantage, for Christ's advantage, if you understand what I'm saying, that, that somehow there's this openness, I guess, to the gospel message over Christmas that you don't get all year round. You know, where you hear carols in places. I, I was in a shop the other day listening and it was like a definite... It wasn't a carol, but it was a modern-day Christmas song that was talking about the redemption of man through Jesus Christ. Now, who doesn't want that message going out through the shopping centres? Throughout the whole world, that's right. Um, And it is really looking a lot like Christmas, but I'm not preaching about that today. Um, Other than to say, who has had an office Christmas party? A few people. Who's done a secret Santa this year? Eh? It's coming. (laughs) Well, my daughter actually had a a secret Santa for her office. And it's funny how things are changing. So they had a secret Santa, but what happened was they actually get orders of what the person wants. And I'm like, seriously? It was about 50 bucks worth, at least, that, um, that the order was. And I was thinking, wow, it really is more blessed to receive than give, isn't it? It's like, you know, that the heart was, give me what I need. Anyway, we decided... Uh, well, I decided <laughs> we're going to have a secret Santa for work here. So I got my name and Matt's name and put it in a <laughs> container. <laughs> and I said, Matt, can you choose one of these names? You know, in my head, I'm thinking, surely he'll get his own name. Anyway, it ended up he did pick out my name. But so we're not allowed to tell each other who got what name, but. There's a high probability that Matt picked out my name. <laughs> uh, funny, eh? <laughs> anyway, you might remember a few weeks ago I, I talked a little bit about, you know, being a good husband in terms of relationships and talked a bit about, um, especially about having eyes for only your wife. That was one of the things, you know, that she should be the greatest woman in the world to you, the most beautiful, the best woman in the world. And uh, Matt argued with me because I said Joe was the best and he said, no, she's not, Alison's the best. And I'm like, well, we should all be fighting over that, shouldn't we? All us men, we should be getting up saying, no, my wife's the best. But having that heart for her, but the first thing that I said was that a man should love the Lord above everything else. If you can't do that well, you'll never love your wife fully the way that you should. Um, Talked a bit about that. There's some other stuff I didn't really bring in. Um, there's verses that talk about don't be bitter against your wife. Uh, don't get bitter against her. Um, honour her as, as, as your wife as well to give her honour. Um, but this week I wanted to talk a little bit about um, being a lady of God that, that is a good wife. And the context I want to put it in, you, you'll hear some of this stuff and you'll go, oh, 
I don't know, is that really me, isn't it me? And, and the question was asked, well, shouldn't a woman do it about women? I'm not really sure. I, I actually know what it's like to be a husband and what a good wife is to me, so I feel like I'm qualified in that area. But apart from that, um, God's word sort of points out some stuff that we should all be. And that was one of the things that I talked about in, in regards to being a good husband, um, that actually a lot of the stuff just applies directly to wife as well, doesn't it? So the wife should really think, you know, this man is the man for me. He's, you know, the most capable man in the world. So Alison, you can repeat that to Matt this week, time over, <laughs> time after time, till he's sick of it. Apparently, Matt said you can't over compliment your wife. Um, she wanted to hit him, <laughs> which isn't very nice, Alison. <laughs> But it's true, isn't it, like that really, if you think about marriage, it's probably, well, I'd have to say it definitely is the closest earthly relationship, hopefully, that we have, that it's the one that we take as being the most important relationship to look after. Now, when I say this, whatever I say in this, probably a lot of it applies for the rest of life, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes, too, we treat our wives and husbands differently to what we would other people. And this is a bit of a challenge, you know, like you see a man or a woman and they're out in the world walking around doing stuff and they're really kind to everyone else. They're really patient. They're showing their best side to the people around them and yet you get them at home and they're like not kind and not nice and not patient. And, and it's, it's that challenge that we have to actually regard the marriage relationship, I guess, as, as important. It's God-ordained for a start. You know, when we look back at Genesis and, and um, you know, it says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two become one. That it, it's such an important relationship that God ordained it, that two people should become one, that two individuals become this one person somehow. It says one flesh. But obviously we grow together as husband and wives as we spend time together. We learn to trust one another. We learn about one another. We learn to understand one another. So just wanted to start off looking at um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, and then another one in Proverbs about the luckiness that a man has. So the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favour from the Lord. You know that husbands, your wife's a treasure, wife, you are a treasure to your husband, that in fact his receiving you as a wife is a sign of God's favour towards that man. Have you ever thought about that as a wife, that actually this man has married me and this is a sign of God's favour towards that man? What a blessing to have, to have that opportunity to be a blessing to someone else in that way. Uh, Proverbs 31, verse 10 and 11. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. That's nice too, isn't it? A virtuous and capable wife, more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. What I just wanted to, sh to sort of point out from this is that your value as a wife is huge. As you walk as a woman of God, someone of virtue. 
And just in the same way as I said, a man needs to love God above everything else, that he should make God and seeking God his main priority, so too there's this call from, from, from God to actually seek him as a woman. To say, you know what, I can find out God, I find his heart, what he has for me, and to be a virtuous person. In other words, the character of God displayed through my life toward my husband. And the beauty of this is that a wife should be trustworthy. The husband should be able to trust her. And when we read through Proverbs 31, we'll see that, that picture of the woman there that is, you know, she's a businesswoman. She's great with her home. She buys and sells land. She, she weaves stuff. She sells it. And people understand how amazing she is because she is living out a full life. Being a wife is not someone who's hidden away, who is hidden and, and powerless in life because they're now married. And, and this is something that sometimes people think is they lose who they are when they're married. It's not like that at all. While the two become one, the one is in Christ and is in God and it should be that, that there's this richness that comes out of that life. And the first thing I'd like to just encourage ladies to in marriage is to be a virtuous person. Virtuous. Someone of high quality, of high character, someone who is trustworthy, somebody who can be trusted by her husband. I love another version of the Bible that says her, heart, her husband's heart can trust her. In other words, his heart's safe with his wife. That, that there's this respect that she has for her husband that makes him know that he is safe. Excusez-moi. And now we're going to get looking at some other things which I think, you know, they're challenging <laughs> as people. I just wanted to point out something with a husband and wife that there's been a curse placed on that relationship way back in the Garden of Eden. So Genesis 3 verse 16. So this is God pronouncing judgment. Adam and Eve have gone out and eaten from the fruit that they shouldn't eat of. Adam had his punishments and then this is the punishment that was dished out to, to the woman, Eve. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now that verse there is quite confronting to me because as I look at that, it see, I see that this is not God's initial design for relationship, especially in marriage. Can you see it there? There's, there's something that changed that was, that was broken when sin entered in. Now we're talking about Christmas and the coming of Christ. What was the whole point of that? To, to break the curse that was over us. In fact, Jesus died on the cross so that that curse could be broken, so that we could live in the blessing of God. And when I read that verse there, it, it shows me why relationships are so broken. Number one, there's this control given over to men. You can read it right there. Because why would a wife need to control a husband? because he rules over her. In other words, there's this imbalance that happened that is not godly. And we could look at that in the world today and go, yeah, well, that's, that's the way it should be, that's nature, um, and yet we still see this fight, you know, equality for women and things like that, which 
I totally agree with personally. People know my views on that. But behind that, the world was broken when sin entered in. Relationship between God and man was broken, hugely broken because sin separated us from God, but also there was this break in the way that relationships should be between men and women. And so as a result of this, what's that saying? It's saying that there's going to be this desire that, that you want to control a husband. That's what it says. Now we can look at that and we can go, well, maybe that's not true, but maybe it is. Let's just judge it as we think about life. And then it says, but he'll rule over you. Again, we see a brokenness there, that suddenly there's this, this conflict between a man and woman, a husband and wife, that should not be there in Christ, which is what I wanted to look at, especially in the next verses that are coming. So we're going to look in a minute at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, and we're also going to look at some verses in Ephesians. I believe when they're read in the wrong spirit, they can mean certainly different things. Because in both these passages, there's an addressing to the husband and addressing to the wife. The addressing to the wife is different to the husband, but I believe it's trying to address the same problem. That people want to be in control. They want to have this authority, but not a godly authority, an authority that they take. In other words, they put themselves in a position that is higher than the other person. Actually, I might skip through to Ephesians first because we've sort of looked at that before. Is that possible, guys? Ephesians chapter 5. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For why does this mean submit to your husbands as the Lord? For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, you've already looked at Ephesians chapter 5 before in regard to the husband. And the, and the, and the, the message to the husband was this, was this. So as you can see in verse 22, for wives this means... What means? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ means for wives, you submit to your husbands. It says about the husband, for you husbands, this means love your wife. Both of those statements are going right back to verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? If we look at the word submit, often we'll think submit means to have one as higher than the other or an authority over, you know, like a hierarchical way of thinking about things. But that's not what this word means. Which is why it can apply to both a man and a woman because we're submitting to one another. It's not a hierarchy. It's not one is greater than the other, one has more control, more power, or anything like that. What it's saying is that this word submission means a decision of your will to yield to the admonition or advice of another. Now, when you look up that word about submission, it's very clear that there's other meanings of that word submit. And if you look through those, the Greek meanings of this word, one of them is a hierarchy rule, which is not what it means there. It's not saying there's a hierarchy of one higher than the other. What it's saying is that people, in this submissive way, it's a yielding of yourself to one another. Which is why it can apply to the wife and the husband. For the wife, though, it's this submission to your husband. 
For the husband, it's this loving of your wife. And we looked at that in terms of how a husband needs to be able to give his life for his wife. And actually, when you look into that even further, it talks about basically giving over preference for that other person as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. The meaning itself means that that just as Christ loved the church by giving preference to the other, which is us, so too a husband was to do the same thing. And we can get into trouble, very much trouble, when we start to think that it means one is greater than the other or one has more authority. We can choose ourselves in our family how we operate, but we are called to submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Another part of the Bible says that neither a husband or a wife is independent of each other. One is not independent of one another because God has made us one. So what does it mean then? What does this mean? Does it mean that there's a problem with the way some ladies are with their husbands? I remember reading a book that was talking about love and submission. Or love and respect, actually, was the name of the book. And I was talking about how there's this problem that men have of loving their wives. They, they don't seem to understand that their wife is as their own body, that they should love their wife the same way. When it started talking about a wife, he started talking about that word respect. Respect your husband, which is, which is the last verse in verse 33. Can we just put that one up? I don't know if you've got that there still. So at the end when Paul sums this up, is that on there? So again I say, so he's repeating what he said in the, the previous parts of Ephesians 5, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And it was interesting to me when I was reading this book about respect, it talked about men needing respect. And the author said, whether you agree or disagree, that it seems very much that men often have wives that do not respect their husbands. And I'd have to agree, probably, with that statement in many ways. There are many times when you see a woman talking about her husband in the most negative way, in front of other people. Where they're saying things about their husband and that are just plain horrible. That they run them down, they, they, they show no respect, they show no reverence for that person. I don't know if you've ever seen that, heard that, but I've certainly seen it. And the crazy thing is this, that often a wife will, will treat their husband like a fool, yet in their workplace they are highly respected. They're very capable at what they do. They're, they're, they're given some esteem in what they do and who they are, yet so often a wife will run her husband down and not respect him. And I would say that as Paul's addressing these things in the church, he's looking at what's actually practically happening and saying, guys, we need to get this right. As I'm writing to you as a church in Ephesus, what I'm seeing is that there's husbands that are just not loving their wives. They're not showing them this due, due reverence that they should have, the submitting to the wife in terms of, I'm going to allow myself to be yielded and submitted to their admonition and advice, but I'm going to rule them with an iron hand. 
And he's trying to address that and say, husbands, you need to love your wives. Are you tender and loving towards them? And at the same time, you're seeing women that are not respecting their husbands, that they're, they're running around talking about their husbands, they're acting independently of their husband, they're doing their own thing and not thinking at all about what their husband might think. Well, I'm just going to do my own thing. But Christ has called us together as one. To be one. To be both submitted to Christ, to his rule in the home. And women asked to just respect your husband. It's a pretty big word, isn't it? I don't know. But with a relationship, don't you think that it should be just so peaceful? Don't you think it should be that a husband and wife are not in this eternal conflict about who's the boss? Who's in charge? Who's the one that gets preeminence in a home? Because in reality, if we really look at that, the one who's the greatest should be the greatest servant anyway. That's the way it works with God. Can we just look, go back to that Peter verse 2 now, please? In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. That word authority there, if you go um, back to the Greek again, is exactly the same word as submit. Should be in submission to their husbands. In other words, give yourself over to their advice and admonition in life as well. Then if even some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery or beautiful clothes. Let's keep going. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God, accepted the authority of their husbands. Ladies, if anything that this is speaking to you about, it is work on your inner self. If you want to be a good wife, work on your inner self. Who are you? How are you related to Christ? There's something so beautiful about a spirit that is fashioned after God. And we, we'd have to be crazy to not think that this does seem to affect women more than men, wouldn't you say? Do you, do you think that if you looked around at society, the, the, most, the most people that are worried about how they look, their fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery and beautiful clothes, are not usually men? Not usually. <laughs> Dave's fancy hairstyle. <laughs> Took him three seconds this morning. But isn't that true? And we know it's true. We know there's this pressure on, on, on women to be something that, I don't know, I don't even know to explain it, to be honest. I'm not a woman in that case. 
But the pressure that there must be to be amazingly presentable. You see it in, in ladies all the time and it's not just in how they look, it's how their home looks too. The pressure to be perfect that is on a lady is immense. That somehow my outward presentation of who I am must be perfect. Everything, if it's not exactly in line, can sometimes make me feel like I'm less than. And sometimes that puts a pressure on families as well. It's this concentration on who we are in Christ and the beauty of the, the quiet and gentle spirit that God is really asking, asking of wives here. That is who you should be. There is so much pressure, seriously, on ladies to be something that is almost unattainable, this perfect person. To attain something that is unattainable, to present something outwardly that doesn't really reflect the inward beauty that can be there. And I just want to encourage all the ladies here, don't worry so much about it. Other women will judge you a lot more than men. <laughs> they notice things that I would never notice. They will notice what brand your shoes are and your handbag. I won't even notice if you've got shoes on, probably. <laughs> it's true. And so I just want to sort of encourage you that, you know, to be, to be a wife that reflects the goodness of God, concentrate on that area of your life. To be a beautiful person. Being a beautiful person reflects so strongly with what we read first of all, wasn't it, in Proverbs about, you know, the beauty that, or the, the blessing that a woman is to the man, the treasure. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favour from the Lord. Be that treasure to your husband. Be someone whose heart can trust in. Now, I was going to try and get Joe up here to answer some questions. He's had to go to kids' church. But we talked about this in terms of how she felt sometimes as a lady and, and how she could be a good husband. A uh, good wife. <laughs> Deliberate mistake, well picked up. <laughs> and one of the things she said to me near... To Neil, Neil, that's me. <laughs> Neil, Neilo. She has said, you know, one of the things that I've found as a wife to be a good wife is this: to just let my husband grow. Just let him grow. Don't be a person who forces them to do things. Don't try and take that control. Don't try and fashion the man into who you think that they should be. And to me, that was actually really precious. To think that that was her heart towards me. She just said, let him grow. Stop shackling men. Men are different <laughs> to women. And we're certainly not the answer to your needs. And not even an answer to all your wants. And that is a pressure sometimes put on men by women that that same sort of pressure that they have to have this outward beauty, they reflect on their men sometimes. You need to be perfect. 
You need to be the head of the house. You need to step up. You need to do this. You need to do that. Let me pile on some more pressure on you so that your life is just really hard. Let me give you some more expectations to live up to. But she said the thing is that what she's found with me is that by just letting me be me, she's, she's been able to love me well. Not try and change who I am, but embrace who I am. Of course there's things that I need to change. But what she said is that I need to give you room to hear from God, Neil, and not me. And Proverbs does talk about that a little bit. There's probably four or five verses that really talk about... <laughs> these, are, these are great ones to throw out when you're in an argument. <laughs> it's better to live on a rooftop than in a house with a nagging wife. <laughs> Don't throw that one out. But, but there is that, there, there's a few verses about that, that, how this, that sometimes there's that pressure, the nagging, the the continual pressure to be something, to do something. And of course, on the other side, some men are just slack, right? They actually need some nagging. We need a deadline. <laughs> so the, the point of that is this. And this is what I would say to most couples, well, every couple that comes to me. If you're a Christian, now I understand there's marriages that aren't, and there's marriages where people are not living as Christians. Their lives do not reflect God. I want to throw out this. The Holy Spirit that comes from God, that is in each believer, is the same Holy Spirit, is it not? So the same Holy Spirit that's in me is the same Holy Spirit that's in Job. And this is why it works when you both submit yourself to God, number one, and follow after him. The Holy Spirit will not give me a different message to Job. It will be the same message, or it might be opposite in a way. If I need to change, I do listen to my wife because it says I need to submit to her admonition and advice and listen to what she's saying. But one of the most powerful things is when she prays for me and asks God to show me something. Because that Holy Spirit will convict my soul, help me change my ways and strengthen me to do that. And exactly the opposite. If it's for Joe, the same Holy Spirit works in her that works in me. And this is the beauty of being married to another believer that really follows God not just a believer, a follower of Christ, is that same Holy Spirit dwells in each one of you. Now, if you're both submitted to God, number one, if you love God far more than you love the person you're married to, you will definitely love that person that you're married to better. Because instead of seeking your own will in your own way, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and you will seek the will of God in every situation. And the beauty of that is that God's will in every situation can be revealed exactly the same to each one of you. Therein ending the conflict. 
And even when we look back at that Garden of Eden, what was the main thing that we see at the start? The relationship between God and man and woman was that in the evening God would come and walk with them. There's no barrier. There's nothing stopping that love of God until sin entered and then they began to hide because they were embarrassed and ashamed. And sin destroyed relationships. But the beauty is the cross of Christ defeats sin. The death of Christ on the cross has crushed the serpent's head. And each one of us is now able to get that forgiveness and restoration of relationship that the battle between the sexes can be finished because of the cross. The beauty of the cross. No longer Greek, Jew, male, female, slave or free. That we are all united in one because of that beautiful cross of Jesus Christ. And this morning you might not know that love. I'm just about to pray in a second and just pray over us. But if that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray that a prayer that will invite God into your life. You just pray it with me and ask him in if that's you this morning that, that needs to know Jesus. I'll just pray that. Okay, if we just close our head, close our heads, close our eyes, bow our heads, and we'll just pray. That's you this morning, that you know you need to receive Jesus. Or perhaps even you've walked away from him and it's time to restore that relationship. This prayer is for you. Just pray it with me. Father God, I'm so sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I have no right to have your forgiveness, but you sent Jesus because you love me so much. This morning I just want to invite you into my life. From this day on I want to live for you. I thank you that Jesus shed his blood for me so that I might live again. Today I accept that. Come in and live with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, guys. Sun Friday, Christmas, service here, 9 a.m. Short one, normally. Baby Jesus will be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Praise God, exactly. <laughs> Another one might be coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's stand and worship God. Let's give our hearts fully to Him. Let's devote ourselves to Him. If you want prayer for anything, please come up to the front and um, I will pray with you.